Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's roundtable episode here of Langer at the Mic. We are joined by two longtime friends and classmates of mine. We're here with uh, with Matt Cowan and Stevie Consister. We're gonna give uh, we're gonna do a little roundtable show here on the Montreal Canadiens and also on the uh, on on fitness and and dealing with COVID nineteen and also talking about our Movember campaign. So, uh, boys, how's it going, Matt? How are you today, sir? I'm great. How are you, Mike? I'm good. More importantly, I like asking you guys, uh, you know, during this time, I like asking all my guests, how, how, how are your families? How are you? Uh, are you guys safe, healthy, well? How are you guys uh, accommodating with uh, COVID-19? Everything's good on my end. No one's uh, caught the bug yet. You? Yeah, thankfully, everyone's doing well in my family, just uh, making sure that obviously uh, my grandparents uh, don't get affected by it. So I guess that's the only stress, at least at home in Montreal. But here in Toronto, you know, living my, on my own, just, uh, just, just, you know, being smart, of course, right? And uh, Stevie, how about you? Uh, everything's good, thank God. Uh, trying to find ways to, uh, to mentally keep going, uh, picking up new hobbies here and there, and uh, lots of schoolwork. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, I find this during this time, you know, it's so important to, to just stay busy, maintain a sense of purpose, maintain a, a mission for yourself. Right. So uh, excellent. Uh, good. Good. Uh, glad that everyone's doing well with you there, Steve, as well. So um, so let's get right into some Montreal Canadiens talk here. Uh, we're deep into this uh, weird or relatively deep into this really, really weird offseason. Typically by November 7th, you know, you have you have uh, NHL going on. Of course, NFL's going on. You have NBA would be starting around now as well. But now we got nothing. We have off-season NHL and off-season NBA. But uh, yeah, from a Montreal Canadian standpoint, by the way, Mike Hoffman is still an unrestricted free agent, by the way. So that's interesting, I find. But uh, talking about the Montreal Canadiens, yeah, it's been a very... Um, eventful and I think a very positive offseason for uh, for Mark Bergevin, one of his best in a while. So, of all the moves uh, that they've uh, that the Canadians have made so far, uh, what 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 has been your favorite move signing trade? Uh, what's your favorite move thus far? Starting with uh, Matt. You know, for me, I, I like to trade. Uh, well, I love the Allen trade first of all, and um, what I like what that does is it gives Price a little extra rest. I don't think we've ever really seen a, a fresh price going into the late stages of the season. I think uh, Jake Allen's going to prove to be a good pickup uh, and give uh, Price that little extra rest that we that he needs. Yeah, for sure. And um, and then also don't forget about the fact that the, that the Canadians extended him and and cut his cap hit in like half, I think. Right. Yeah. So that was also really key for uh, for the Canadians to do. And I totally agree with you. I mean, Price, we haven't seen him play. Um, I think I don't think we've seen him play a full healthy season since his uh, heart trophy year. So um, so, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing uh, what a rested price will uh, will look like hopefully this year. And obviously that's assuming Allen, you know, Jake Allen keeps up his uh, his play from the last couple of years and doesn't do what Antti Niemi or or uh, Keith Kincaid have done in recent years. But yeah, totally agree with you there, Matt. Uh, what about you, Stevie? What's the what's your favorite move that the Canadians have done so far this offseason? Uh, so far, I really like the Domi for Anderson trade. Um, acquiring a power forward like uh, Anderson is rare. And um, also, like, we, I think we could expect 25 to 30 goals from him. So that in itself is very exciting. I, I like the trade as well. I like the acquisition. But what do you think about signing him to a seven-year contract? A seven-year, I think it was a $36 million deal. What do you think about that? I, I think it was worth it personally. I think that he will produce. Uh, he's going to take some time to find his groove. And once he does, 
uh, he will be up there in the leading scorers. So I think it was definitely a good move. Well, well, hang on. Were you saying leading scores of the NHL or leading scores on the on the Montreal Canadiens? On the Montreal Canadiens, at the very least. But I think he has potential even for NHL. Um, I, I wouldn't go that far, honestly, in, in terms of uh, Josh Anderson. But you know what I do love about Josh Anderson is act, exactly like you said, is uh, his, his size, his power forward nature, the fact that even if he isn't scoring, he'll still be a factor. The fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning, when they got swept to the uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets a couple of years ago in 2019, they said that they, ha- they had no answer for Josh Anderson. So I, I totally, again, agree with you on that. But I honestly am still a little bit hesitant in terms of the term that the Canadians have given him uh, because uh, it's more of a gamble more paying for what he's going to do than what he has done and at least he's still 26 years old i'm pretty sure so it won't he won't be too late into his 30s by the time the seven years is up but uh but yeah definitely uh fills a need on the on the wing for the canadians now um i have another question for you guys though um so this defense core this blue line has been was was stellar in the playoffs between shea weber jeff petrie sherratt uh kulak and uh, now you add Romanov to the mix, right? So how, on a scale of one to 10, how confident would you guys say you guys are in this uh, blue line going forward? Because they were so- strong in the playoffs, but not as good in the regular season before. So how, scale one to 10, how confident are you guys in this uh, blue line? Again, starting with you, Matt. I think it's hard to give it a rating out of 10. I, I, I'd say that I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they could do. Uh, the new addition of uh, Edmonton and then hopefully Romanov fits in there. Uh, I've heard some really good things about him. Maybe maybe in top four by the end of the year, top four D. Um, I, I would say I'm very excited, um, confident. I'm going to have to see what they do for the first maybe 20 games. Uh, but I think they could produce. I think they could shut teams down. I think they could uh, add to add a little scoring to the lineup. And, you know, I'm excited to see what they pull it off, what they pull off. Gotta give me a number there, Matt. Though scale one to ten, uh, what do you think? I'm, give me gonna, a I'm gonna say I'm pretty confident. I'm gonna say it's like a seven, seven and a half. Looks good. I'm, I'm okay. really excited. <laughs> I'll rock with that. Uh, what about you, Stevie? What do you think? Uh, I would give the scale an eight, and um, I have a lot of confidence. Uh, again, Matt man- uh, mentioned Romanov. Um, he is a rookie, so we have to be patient with him. We have to give him time. But uh, I think that it will strengthen the blue line and make it a lot stronger this season. Yeah, um, and also keep in mind, uh, there are a lot of defensive prospects behind uh, Romanov. You look at uh, Noah Jolson, you look at Josh Brook, who just got loaned, uh, I think, overseas to to just you know stay fresh and get playing time uh, during the offseason or the NHL offseason. But But yeah, just with Romanov, I find that, uh, again, we have to be very, very, very patient with Romanov because we've seen the Canadians, um, you know, hype up these these defensive prospects before. Guys like Greg Pattern, guys like uh, Jared Tenorti, even you could throw way back Morgan Ellis back when they played in the Memorial Cup together. And um, and to me. I, I just I feel like Romanov I think is is going to be way better than though than all those guys combined because they didn't really amount to much with the Canadians but I still feel like um, like you said Stevie the the Canadians should be patient but what do you think your expectation should be that being said what what should the expectation be for Romanov at least uh, in his early part of the uh, of um, of his time with the Canadians what do you think Stevie uh, I think we need to expect him to play solid defense in front of Price. And Price needs those solid D to be better himself um, and has potential to be uh, the best goalie in the NHL given some good tight D. 
So I think that would be the first thing. And secondly, if we could see uh, some points from him uh, in his first season, like uh, at least 25 points, 25, 30 points, I think that would be pretty good. I think that would be like very, very good for if he's going to be on the sixth, uh, if he's going to be a sixth defenseman, um, I'd say like, that's very, very good. I think that's even a little rich for Romanov, but um, do you think he's going to play uh, Matt? Do you think he's going to play the right side or the left side? You know, I, I'm not sure. I think there's a bit of a, a battle for that sixth spot. There's going to be Kulak in there. There's Mete there. There's uh, I don't know. I guess Edmonton might fit in around that area too. Um, so, you know what? I, I'm not sure if he's going to make, the team right away out of camp. Maybe they'll play around, wait wait for maybe an injury or something to fit him in. Uh, they're definitely going to try and get him in there as quick as possible. But um, there are players ahead of him on the depth chart that have been on this team for a while. And, you know, he's coming in to take that position. So he's going to have to earn it. Um, so he's going to have to show us something early on to solidify himself in that top six defense core there. Um, I don't know. Let's we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited to see him too. Yeah, um, but to me though, like to, to your point, um, the worst thing for Romanov would be to be the seventh defenseman because yeah. if he's not going to play every single game, if he's not going to be in the start in the lineup every single game, he's got to be in the AHL. He has to be. He can't be up with the uh, with the Canadians if he's going to be in the press box every game. Um, yeah, I so- completely agree. He's got to get those minutes in. He's got to get that time to mature. Uh, he's got that big frame, that big body. I want to see him. Uh, log some minutes well i don't know if again it's not so much about logging too many minutes it's more just about appearing in games and and just solidifying that that bottom pairing which was i mean you could say this about a lot of teams a lot of teams bottom pairings are bottom pairings for a reason because you know they're the fourth and sorry the fifth and sixth defensemen that are playing but but at least you know if if you can have it well rounded out um, the, the Canadians I find with, uh, with Mete and Willette in the playoffs, like that was a, an Achilles heel, but if you can round out your bottom six with a young guy like Romanov, and like you said, a Kulak or an Edmondson, um, yeah, like you're, you're, you're really in a good position to, to, uh, win a lot of games or at least, you know, uh, not give up a lot of goals against, but, um, and especially considering, you know, you're playing the same division as, as the Leafs, you always have to throw shade at the Leafs, you know, as a Toronto resident mm-hmm. here on the show, but, um, but uh, yeah, I, I totally feel that. But um, moving along, though, uh, another story of uh, recent um, of recent uh, weeks is Jesperi Kotkaniemi is in the SM Liga overseas. He was loaned by the Canadians, but he's pointless through four games. What do you guys think about that? Are you guys concerned at all about that? He had 29 points in 2017-2018 as a 17-year-old in the SM Liga, but right now through four games, he is pointless. Are we concerned about that? I think there, there might be a little cause for a little bit of worry. Um, I've been checking up on Twitter. I haven't watched any of the games personally, but on Twitter, there, I've seen some highlights where he's made some nice uh, dangles, nice, nice passes, and uh, it just doesn't seem to be much finish on that team, ironic enough that they're in the Finnish league. Um, but, um, you know, I wouldn't look too deep into it. It's, it is four games. Um, he looked really good when he was here in the playoffs. Uh, we'll st- we'll see what he does in the NHL. It's good to get his legs moving and playing competitive hockey now. And I wouldn't look too far into the, the stats. What about you, Stevie? What do you think? Are you concerned at all about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would have to agree with Matt in the sense that I wouldn't uh, be too scared about the stats. Um, I've seen him play throughout the season, uh, at least uh, what we had of the season. 
and I think he's an outstanding player. Uh, I think, you know, if he keeps playing his game, I think he's just in, in a slump right now, which I know all of us play hockey. Um, sometimes you just get into a slump where you're not getting any points. But I think if he keeps working, that the points will come. Yeah, I'd like to think so. And, and you know what? Um, I actually, I'd say I'm, I'm probably the most concerned from what you guys are saying. I'm probably the most concerned out of uh, out of the, what you guys, yeah, among the three of us, just because, uh, he was a point per game player in uh, with the with the Rocket. I almost said the Hamilton Bulldogs, but with the Laval Rocket, uh, Kakanyemi was a point per game player, and he was almost a point per game player in the playoffs. I think he had the most goals for the uh, for the Canadians in this uh, in this past uh, playoffs, and uh, and he was a force out there. Um, so I'd like to think that through four games, he would have put up, you know, at least an assist, maybe a goal go off his, like his shoulder or a skate or something. Um, but, uh, but with that being said though, so I'm concerned about the fact that he hasn't produced anything yet, but I haven't saw, I haven't, I haven't mentioned my favorite Canadians move this off season and in all likelihood, he will be playing alongside Jesperi Kotkiniemi. That is Tyler Toffoli. So I think that if Kotkaniemi plays alongside a guy like Toffoli, maybe even Lekkinen or or Armia, maybe uh, if you want uh, if you want Toffoli to play on the on his off wing on the left wing. But I think Toffoli is as is one of my is definitely my favorite signing by the Canadians this offseason because he's a guy that uh, that in recent years, if the Canadians were not trending upwards, I feel like a guy like Toffoli would not be a, someone that would sign as an unrestricted free agent on a four-year, $4.2 or $4.1 million deal that he signed or four-point-something per year contract that he signed. So I, I feel like the, the fact that the Canadians got Toffoli at a really, really good, um, at a, an, a, on a really fair deal, and the fact that he will play with Kotkaniemi will really help him and um, and help Kotkaniemi produce at least next year um, to the tune of being better than Suzuki. I don't know. That's my next question for you guys. Do you think that in a couple of years, Jesperi Kotkaniemi will become a better player than Nick Suzuki? I think Suzuki's older, right? He's a year older. A little he bit, hasn't yeah. got the NHL experience, but, but um, he's a year older. But uh, I don't know. From what we saw from Nick Suzuki in the playoffs, uh, he's just he looks so complete he comes back he in the defensive zone he's great too uh offensive zone it looked like all the offense the Habs were producing were co- was coming through nick suzuki um i have high hopes for nick suzuki uh i would even say i don't know if kakaniemi can, can can catch him uh, he just looks so great he moves the puck well he passes the puck well he comes back he's defensive he i haven't seen kakaniemi do enough to, in my mind, you know, take that step above Nick Suzuki or even potentially do that. I mean, we'll see what, what happens this year. I think this year will be huge uh, for the future of the Habs. We'll see how their moves turn out, uh, how their youth is developing, uh, and we'll have a lot of those questions answered. 100%. Um, I want to save my uh, take on that. Um, so, you know, Steve, you're going to go next because I want to, I, I have a bit of a bold statement to make that I've made before on the show, but yeah, Steve, go ahead. Uh, so currently I think that Suzuki is better offensively and like really overall compared to Koken Yemi. Um, but I do think that KK will emerge as a solid second line uh, two-way center uh, still very young, younger than us. Um, so he will emerge, but for, for the time being, I think Suzuki's not only better, 
uh, now, but I think he'll always be a bit better than KK. So what if I, so I'm going to do again, a, a thing that Leaf fans do here on this. Um, yeah. I'm going to do something that Leaf fans like to do, you know, in terms of overhyping Austin Matthews and Marner and Neil and blah, blah, blah. So what if I said that Nick Suzuki will become almost as good as Braden point? What do you think about that? I think that's very hopeful. I think Braden point is, is one of the, the NHL's elite right now. Um, I mean, it, if, Nick Suzuki turns into a Braden Point, I think we have a lot to be happy about. I'd be very happy with that. I mean, there's no complaints there. You, Steve? Uh, I think it's it's wishful thinking. I mean, I would absolutely love it if we could get Suzuki to that point. I think it is possible. I don't see it right now. I don't have uh, the vision of of Mike there, but uh, I do think there is potential. Well, here's, here's the reason I say that. So I do agree with you, Stevie. It is very wishful thinking. And um, yeah, because he has a lot, a, a long way to go to get there. But um, if you look at the way, if you look at Nick Suzuki, who is 20 years old right now, going, I think, to his 21-year-old season, and you compare that to Braden Point when he was 20 years old and going into his 21-year-old season, and if you also look at their production in junior, it's pretty similar. So the thing with um, I was listening to Gordon Miller on a on a podcast back in the playoffs, and he was talking how Kakanyemi like was definitely rushed by uh, you know playing on the Canadians in his first uh, in his rookie season as an 18 year old. Uh, def- I, I definitely think he was rushed into um, in, into onto making the team, and um, and that's also what Gordon Miller was talking about. But also Kakanyemi never had a an experience to draw back on where he had like 90 or 100 points in junior or something. Whereas Nick Suzuki does have that experience with uh, in Guelph with the uh, OHL. And so did Braden Point. Braden Point, I believe, comes from the uh, WHL. And if you look at their production, and if you also look at, um, at least just on paper, again, not so much in the way they play, but more if you just look at the two players on paper, they're trending in very similar directions. And that's my counter argument to it. So the opportunity in the future is all there for Nick Suzuki right now. But obviously, to get to the point of Braden Point get to the point i guess right um you know he has a lot of work to do for sure but that being said even if he doesn't get there if he, he could still he'll still be likely a very good player uh, for the canadians and i just don't i don't see katkaniemi ever passing him i think we can all agree on that right yeah right yeah yeah i think Braden point also but i think he had somewhere around a similar point total as suzuki in his first year too um but he, he doesn't have that pressure like the montreal pressure and he had a lot of the supporting cast around him in Tampa Bay to kind of bring him up to. Uh, so now with the additional signings that Montreal made, maybe we could even see Nick Suzuki take a stride forward and turn into that almost Braden Point-like center. Yeah, I'm pulling up, uh, just just confirming. So um, Braden Point just turned it on in the playoffs in uh, 20, I want to say 2016, 27, sorry, sorry 2017, 2018 where he had, uh, yeah, right here, 16 points in 17 games. That was in the playoffs. And his rookie season, he had, yeah, he had 40 points in 68 games in his rookie season. So again, just a little bit more in terms of points per game as uh, Suzuki. But in junior in the WHL, 91-point season, 87-point season. So again, the, the production is there for points, and the production was also there for Nick Suzuki in the OHL as well. So again, that's my counter-argument, or my I guess my hope that Suzuki can maybe get to that level. And also, again, you look at them on paper, both kind of undersized centermen, 
Brandon Point, 5'10", 166. Suzuki about 5'10", 5'11", just around 200 pounds, 190. So uh, again, just very similar uh, on paper in terms of what they, uh, in terms of, you know, comparing the two. But here's another discussion though. We're talking so much about the center ice position right now uh, without, and we haven't even mentioned Philip Deneau. So Philip Deneau has one year left on his contract stated in the Montreal media right after the playoffs that j'ai vu mon rôle changer dans les playoffs saying his role changed in the uh, in the in the NHL bubble in the playoffs and how Suzuki and Kotkaniemi kind of overtook a bit of the offensive uh, role from Philip Deneau um, and I did a video on that back in uh, September as well so um, so right now within going into the last year of his contract what should the Canadians do with Philip Deneau going forward no, that's a good question. Um, this year will be telling, but Philip Deneau is an, is an elite third-line center. You know, he, He's that player that every team kind of needs to make it really far in the playoffs. That being said, is he if he's searching that first-line, second-line center, uh, hey, the Habs are going to be in trouble um, with all these contracts coming up. Someone has to kind of, you know, take a pay cut or, you know, get cut from the team to, for this team to move forward. And, you know, it might be Philip Deneau. I hope it isn't. Philip Deneau is excellent defensively. He contributes offensively too. I think he's had over 45 points in the last two years, especially with the shortened season last year. He's shown that he can contribute and he is a great player between Tatar and Gallagher. Um, depending on which way they go with Tatar, I think that that might uh, give an inkling of, you know, might show us what they might want to do with Deneau too. Um, but, you know, he's great. I love him. And if there's a place for him, I'd love to see him stay. Yeah, I mean, I think Philip Deneau, uh, by the way, do you keep him on that line with uh, Suzuki? Sorry, with um, with uh, Tatar and Gallagher? Do you keep him there? It, it's hard to argue against keeping him there. I think there's depth for uh, Suzuki and Kakanami to play with so that you don't have to break them up. Um, so you're, sorry, you're calling. So you're going to call Tatar and Gallagher and and Deneau. You said he's a third line center. So you're calling that the third line of the Canadians. So no, this is in a little fishy situation here, right? We don't know what the first line is going to be. Uh, you know, the top nine looks so stacked. Um, that it's a good problem those, to have, by the way. Good problem to have. It's a great problem to have. Yeah. The top nine looks so stacked that any of those three lines could be the first line. You know, we'll see how it turns out product production wise, but you know depending on the day, the game, each of those lines have a chance to take over. For sure. And Stevie, what are your thoughts on all this? So I think Dano is very good. I've liked him a lot uh, throughout his time on the Habs. Um, he'll always be in the Celtic conversation, uh, but he is definitely a third-line center, I think. Um, he is on a good team, and he's surrounded by players that could bring him up to the first line. Um, like Tatar and Gallagher, if he's on a line with them, I think that's like the three of them together is first line potential. Um, and I think like we should be signing him, but we have to be careful that it's something fair. Like I wouldn't give Dano like a crazy high price. We have to make sure that's reasonable. Like Matt said, with the salary cap and everything, we're getting up there. And I think Dano isn't quite at that level yet. Yeah, so here, here's my take on Philip Deneau right now. So his his highest point total in a season 
in the NHL was uh, he had 41 points in 20, 2018, 2019 in 81 games. He did have a, he did have a 47 in 71 this past year. Um, so honestly, those are numbers of a guy. And he's also playing, keep in mind, the Canadians don't have an Ovechkin. They don't have a, um, like a Rantanen or they don't have a, a Kucherov. So he's been playing with like not the best wingers. So my point, so, so he, I'd say, is even a second-line center on a really good team with good wingers at 40, 50 points a season. And especially for the fact that he is a top, probably even top five defensive center in the league. Like, he's basically, I keep calling him a Patrice Bergeron without the offense. That's basically yeah. what he is, or half the offense. So honestly, with the way the Canadians are right now, in their position with up-and-coming centermen, and um, yeah, Kakaniemi Suzuki that will likely outperform him offensively, but he's still so important to this team defensively that this is one of those rare cases to me that the only scenario is that you have to just bite the bullet right out the season. He becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And, um, and then you pray to God that you can negotiate a deal. And if you can't, well, you got to let him walk. That's uh, I think what, what it will come down to, honestly. Yeah, you know, I don't know what you think about this, uh, the plus-minus stat, Mike, but I think Philip Deneau has led the team last year in plus-minus. I think he had something like a plus-18. It was a plus-18 last year, plus-17 yeah. in, in 2018-2019. Sorry, yeah, yeah. 2018, so, so I think he led the Habs last year by by a wide margin on plus-minus. It, it, he contributes five-on-five. On five, he is a great player. Short-handed, he is an amazing player, and I think I've seen stats at five on five. He's one of one of the better players in the league, even. Um, so you know, if they could sign him for something in that five million, six million, we're pushing at six million. I think a little bit because it's going to get. He's going to ask for that, though. He might ask for yeah. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I can't see paying him as much more than Gallagher. There's no way. Uh, he's got to fit in. He's got to take a little bit of you know six million maybe and make some sort of deal there long term but you know it would be nice to sign him for sure um but like i said we just need him so much for next year and i think we just gotta bite the bullet if um you know if uh if if we can't get a deal done and uh yeah so anyway so just real quick i want to hear your predictions for next year so um give me a prediction in terms of a regular season finish and a um and a uh what's it called and how are the canadians going to finish in the playoffs next year Go ahead, As, or Steve. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, I'll go. So I, I think um, that the East is very stacked this year all around. There's going to be high competition in the year to come. Um, that being said, I I do think we're going to definitely be playoff contenders. I think we're going to get in there, maybe get into the uh, second round even. But I don't think we're quite at a cup yet. I think our team has to mesh together first. And uh, some of the players need to grow and find their groove. Uh, but it will be a very competitive, fun-to-watch season next year. So give me a number. Do they finish two, three, wild card one, wild card two, one spot? Where do they finish in the East, Stevie? Ooh. Uh, I, I think I would put them at third or fourth in the East. Okay, fair. Uh, or I guess wild card one for sure. All right, and uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, you know, I, I think they're definitely a playoff team. And, um, you know, in terms of 
where they fit in, I'm not sure. I still think Boston, Tampa, Toronto are still ahead of them in their own uh, division there. Um, the whole East is pretty stacked. It's a nice, nice stacked uh, top of the East we got here now. Um, it's going to be a lot of competition, but uh, I think they're a playoff team. And whenever you have Carey Price in that, you know, he has the opportunity to steal series, not just games, but he could steal series. So I think they could get to this. Maybe the second round, maybe it's hopeful, but, you know, maybe this year is not the year they go far, but the future looks bright for them. And they got to kind of capitalize soon while uh, Shea Weber and Carey Price are still on those long contracts and they're not getting any younger. Uh, they're sucking up the salary cap. You know, they got to make an impact soon or they're going to be in trouble. For sure. And uh, you know what? So here's my prediction. Here's what I say. So you look at Boston, they're going to take a step back. You look at Toronto, they're sorry, maybe not so much Boston, but more the Leafs. I think that they're going to be eh, like they were this Mm -hmm. year. So I have it at Tampa is still going to be one in at least the Atlantic division. And then I have Boston and the Canadians being the two and three spots. And then the Montreal Canadiens are going to show the Leafs how it's done. And they're going to beat Boston in the first round and they will lose to Tampa or a, let's say a Washington or something in the second round, but they will make it to the second round and it will be something that they could build off of. And like you said, maybe as, maybe as soon as next year, they could even go to the conference final and, you know, and even after that, uh, that will definitely be the expectation. But if the Canadians don't make the playoffs this year, man, look out Claude Julien, look out, uh, yeah, just it's going to be ugly if the Canadians don't make the, the playoffs. The is coming down. <laughs> so uh, we have about uh, seven minutes left here, guys. So just I want to turn the page a little bit because all of all of us are involved in fitness. I know, Matt, you're a personal trainer. Steve, you're really big into working out. So I just want to ask you guys, how are you guys adapting with, uh, with gyms being closed and Quebec being locked down for another 28 days uh, because of COVID-19? You, you know, it's, it's kind of tough. Um, I was getting into a groove in the gym. I was hitting it six times a week. Uh, I have my program going, making great progress. And then, you know, now, uh, now I have to work with 20-pound dumbbells or smaller dumbbells. Can't do those heavy lifts anymore. So i got to adapt. Um, I've got to adapt my whole training style, really. Um, my goals change. I'm just, you know, it's, it's maintenance time. It's maintenance time going into the winter. There's no strength being made here, but uh, we got to maintain um, – been doing some nice variations that incorporate multiple multiple muscle groups and you know you know we got to do what we got to do for sure what, what, what are your guys uh some of your favorite exercises that you like to do uh you know with light weights or, or no weight at all what would you say well let steve take this one away first and i'll i got a few actually yeah uh so just on my my feelings of uh being away from the gym uh, it's been hard. It's definitely like, I also have some, uh, just like two dumbbells at home. Uh, I did start building, uh, with the help of my family, a little at home gym. I have a bench. Uh, we just got an elliptical. So we're trying to, uh, make the best of things. Um, but I've been trying to do though, uh, in the past few weeks with the gyms being closed is to do at least four exercises, um, for 10 reps uh and do three sets of those four exercises a day um i always try to do push-ups and sit-ups i think that's fundamental and then uh you know either uh chest press or uh curl or some lunges just like like what matt was saying like it's mainly to maintain i don't think anybody's making huge gains while at home but uh definitely maintaining is important 
for sure. And uh, yeah, Matt, were you going to say some of your uh, favorite exercises were uh, like Steve said, there, push-ups, uh, sit-ups, uh, body weight stuff, curls with light dumbbells, anything uh, other than that, that uh, anything more than that, that uh, you usually do. Yeah. So outside those fundamental exercises, I've been, uh, I've been kind of meshing some, some of them. So I, I, I pull those two dumbbells I have and I'll do a squat to Arnold press variation, you know, knock out two big movements, that overhead pressing, that, that squatting, uh, pattern in that same exercise I, I found it really good it's really tiring and uh it's giving me a good good pump too with that as much as we can with 20 pounds i also like some pike push-ups you know you gotta you gotta get uh, a little crafty with the exercises you do to hit those monster groups a little differently yeah, for sure. I'm, and honestly, I actually have an Instagram video that I posted back in the summer of, um, of like a push-up variation thing. So yeah, just definitely add some power, add some explosiveness to your exercises, uh, you know, do clapping push-ups and also in terms of uh, jump, like uh, what's called for legs, you can do jumps like uh, squat jumps, lunge jumps and all that. So uh, anything to really mix it up and also a lot of core stability stuff, shoulder taps, renegade rows. Uh, those are all great exercises that I love to do as well. Obviously, again, it depends on what, uh, what little equipment that you might have at home but um but yeah um again we're just a couple minutes left here so um i wanted to finish by talking about movember all of us here are running uh our tremendous fundraisers and thank you so much that have donated to each of our uh funds of course but uh let me ask you guys real quick what are you guys doing for uh for movember what are you giving up uh, besides growing of course your uh, nice little stash there uh, so i guess i'll go first um, just trying to raise awareness. I started, uh, this is my fifth year doing Movember. And um, I think as of last year, uh, in other years, I when I would make statuses on social media or posts, um, I would mainly just ask for money and leave it at that, which is important, but it's not all the battle of this month. So I started doing some research and I try to include some stats of like, did you know that uh, this many emails are affected by mental health or this percentage uh, can get prostate cancer, et cetera, and just raising awareness. And I hope that other people, um, especially males, will see that and be like, oh, maybe I should get checked once in a while. For sure. And uh, what, what about uh, you, Matt? Like, it's so important to obviously raise awareness, not just about um, prostate cancer or testicular cancer, but also mental health in general. What about you, Matt, real quick? Yeah, absolutely. It was my first year doing uh, Movember. Uh, I can't grow the stash as quickly as you or Steve, I, I see. But, um, you know, I really wanted to, especially with the pandemic right now, help raise awareness for uh, men's mental health. Um, it, it, it's something that's going to be talked about a lot in the next year, I think, with uh, all these changed um, ways of life that we're adapting to. Uh, people are struggling with it. And uh, I think it's, it, it'll be really good to raise awareness for men's mental health right now. Um, so yeah, that's was my main reason jumping in here this year. I wanted to join Steve and another buddy of ours. Uh, we go on a nice team and, uh, you know, we want to see what we could do. Yeah, excellent. Um, and as you guys know, I have my mental, my daily mental health tip of the day. I've recorded it before. I haven't uploaded it yet. So I'm going to do that uh, just after streaming this video. But again, hey guys, thank you so much for joining the show today. This was a lot of fun. 
Um, and um, yeah, and, and I'll include your uh, Twitter and Instagram handles in the description below. You can follow uh, Stevie at Stevie Consister and his Movember page there as well. And Matt is at Matt Lifsing. So, so again, this has been a Langer at the Mic, Montreal Canadiens and Fitness and Movember Roundtable Talk Show. Thank you so much for watching and thank you guys so much again for joining us. And we'll see you again next time.